on this episode of This Is Game Boy, we in the zone. Twice! Everybody. Welcome back to a brand new full episode of This Is Game Boy. Like always, you have me, Muda, and with me is EBC. Hello. Yeah. So, um, this might be... Well, maybe not. This could well be the last episode we record this year. Maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. Because we're doing these like a little bit in a, in a, in a bunch because uh, the holiday seasons are well quickly the holiday approaching season is, is is coming up so it's always a bad time to set up things to record during that period especially because christmas and new year are both in a weekend this year if i remember yep. correctly so that, that really sucks so we're making sure we have plenty of episodes to just put out like normal so um yeah this, this is one of these that's coming fast for us. Yeah, like I did my light recording yesterday. We're doing this full recording today. Yeah, Mo's potentially going to record his tomorrow or later <laughs> later in the week. So yeah. it's like this episode is slated to come out in December and we're recording in November 13th. So Yeah, plenty of time to go. Gives uh, Lex plenty of time to <laughs> make them in advance as well. So, uh Free time during those uh, holidays. Uh, Battlefield 2042 playtime for the holidays now. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, speaking of uh, what we've been playing, uh, let, let's start with you, actually, because you already mentioned Battlefield here. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's move from that one on. Yeah, so Battlefield 2042 Early Access came out yesterday, uh, which yours truly had access to, so... Uh, I played a bit of that. I haven't dove too much into it. I probably only put like two hours into the game so far. Uh, it if you're any if if any of you are familiar with Battlefield, it's usually been a pretty straightforward click on your game type and then go in and play for tickets. This battlefield is completely different, and it has a thing where you can like travel back in time with it, which usually sounds like a terrible idea, but it's a little bit different. You can travel back in time and choose to play one of like the older battlefields with mm. the new graphics. So I've been playing the hell out of Battlefield 1942 because that's the battlefield I grew up with originally. Yeah. And man, does it feel good to be in like the World War II like scene again with with these types of games. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, that sounds great. I only played Battlefield 2 and the special ops. Yeah. Uh, the add-on or whatever it was called special yep. forces uh loved that game like that's like the only shooter i actually ever loved because it's so yeah, much fun of, to play my one of my good friends in high school and i we we poured hundreds upon hundreds of hours into battlefield 2 mm -hmm. uh, it, it was such a good game so uh, yeah, Battlefield 2042, like I said, Early Access came out yesterday. The full release comes out next week, so, well, <laughs> well, it'll be out by the time this episode is out, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, uh, awesome game, gorgeous looking game, uh, still some buggies to it, but 
you expect that nowadays. Um, yeah. Assassin's Creed Three. As of this recording, I literally just started the game, so by the time this game or by the time this recording comes out, I'll probably have platinum the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been playing or about to play that. Uh, Fortified Zone One. I had I actually had to replay this game for this podcast episode because I actually completely forgot what Fortified Zone was. Uh, <laughs> like I knew what it was, but I don't. I didn't remember how to how it played. Like I had two, two was fresher in my mind because of uh, the time that I played it, and it was the most recent of the series that I played. So, uh, yeah. so I replayed through that just like refresh my memory essentially, and then. Uh, Oh, Metroid Dread. I finally mm. beat that dumb game. Um, <laughs> it took me like seven and a half hours to beat, but it took me like a month and a half to play that seven and a half hours because we've been so busy. Um, so right. like, I would play the game, not play it, play the game again, forget how to play the game, not play it, play the game, forget how to play the game again. <laughs> and it's one of those games where like they just used the most dumb controls you can possibly think of so like ha- like i hate the button combinations they use like i just don't i just didn't like the game so <laughs> it would have been great for 3ds it's not great for the switch so um, yeah yeah it's from know. the same team that did samus returns i guess it was called which was yeah. a 3ds one uh that one played perfectly fine, but I I do agree that some of the things you, it's mostly during boss fights actually because yeah. it's uh, it, it kind of hurts your hands if you're not doing it correctly. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I get it's a Metro game as well too, so like it's up to you to like figure out where to go, the exploring and stuff like that. But like when you get to like when you have all of these like systems in play, like all these button combinations, like there's just so many things to, to do. Like, the game can give you some subtle hints as to, like, what to do, and the game just gives you nothing. Like, every once in a while, the game will, like, go here, then go here. Okay, well, cool, that's a line I can take, but then, like, once you're there, you're just like, alright, well, I've been in, like, these same 20 rooms last hour, like, where, where am I going? All of a sudden, like, you magically shoot a wall, and a hole opens up, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, that, one, guess- that, that, that hole didn't open up before... Because you didn't have the right gun. And then if you missile the wall, sometimes the wall just doesn't show you which item you need to open it up. And it's like, God. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, for you, it definitely came from like inexperience with Metroid besides like Super Metroid. Um, and, and the original, I guess, that you played yeah. as well, but none of the others. Um, for me this was a very linear game actually like i always knew what to do because it it is so ingrained in my mind how these games work nowadays that like i i only got lost once and that was because i went another path to get something and then i forgot where i was actually but otherwise it was like a straight line to the finish basically for me oh yeah that depends on on if you you are familiar with the games or not, for sure. I I will say no spoiler though. I will just say this though. One of the first boss fights in the game, that's a throwback. <laughs> phenomenal, loved that. That was my favorite boss fight in the entire mm, game. Yeah, I know and exactly then, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And then there were two zones that I thought were 
absolutely gorgeous. And on, sadly enough, they're like the last two zones of the game. Yeah. I thought they were super, super, super well done. And like the approach and the background to them were, oh, it was so, so good. Um, mm-hmm. Amazing job on that art all around. So I just, I expected more from Metroid Dread. Because it was on Switch. I don't care that it's a two and a half D platformer side scroller. I actually prefer that because mm-hmm. the 3D Metroids, from what I've watched on stream, would drive me insane. Yeah. Um, I actually like the two and a half D platforming uh, style that this came with. It's just performance wise, graphic wise, like all this stuff. Like it just, it just felt like a 3DS game and not a Switch game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I played Star Allies, right? <clears throat> Kirby Star Allies, for example. As much as I hate that game, at least plays well for Switch. Like it was made for actual Switch. You know, it wouldn't work well on 3DS. This game here is just basically you could port it to 3DS and port it to Switch, and you wouldn't know the difference. I don't know. I kind of, I guess, I expected more from a Switch Metroid game, but yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Like, but I mean, when when the game awards come around and whenever they come around, you know, Metroid Dread's gonna be like a top three contender of game of the year because it's brand new and everyone and it's been five hundred years since we got in a Metroid. So yeah, I don't know how younger audiences are seeing this game because again, like for us, Metroid is, is a well established series, but it yeah. indeed has been twenty years since a two D Metroid. So I wonder how younger audience who are not familiar with at least 2D Metroid feel about this game, but I do hope it does well that we can get like a a faster not sequel, because apparently this is the end of this storyline. Not that that means much. Like you can start, <laughs> you know, like you can start a new storyline. That's they just said storyline, so that, that, that doesn't mean much, but they need to make a game that just explains how Samus loses her powers every time she lands on a planet. <laughs> well, they, ex- they explain it at the start every time. No, they don't. Yeah, like, they do. It's no, always a dumb reason. Your, but powers, <laughs> your powers are integrated into your suit. She is always wearing her suit. She is never not wearing her suit unless you put in a passcode. She is never not wearing her suit. <laughs> yeah, so but her pa- and a her, different suit. And so. her powers are integrated into the suit. So wear the same suit. <laughs> but it usually gets destroyed or whatever. They always have an explanation, but whatever. It's, it's... Uh, every Metroid I have ever watched, <laughs> she has gotten to that dumb ship and flown off the planet in the suit intact. Yeah, there is and then it no gets destroyed. Suit. No, it, how does it get destroyed? <laughs> well, you'll have to play all the games. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> also, the story, pl- the plot to this one was absolutely atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that either. If, you're, if you play Metroid for the plot, you're playing the game wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's almost as thin as Mega Man. <laughs> Almost. Mega Man's plot at least makes sense. Go take out Wily and save the world. <laughs> this one here like integrates like 16 different uh, games into one. You get Resident Evil and some of it, and Silent Hill in another part of it. PT in another part of it. Ugh. In the end, it in the end is just 
Alien. So just go watch Alien and Aliens. Yeah, literally and- <laughs> just go watch a- go watch Alien 3 and Alien 2 and you will have the entire Metroid Dread experience. Yeah, that's the entire Metroid. Oh, I mean, those games are based on, on those movies, so like it makes sense. <laughs> but Samus doesn't die. Rip- Ripley dies. Well, they can (laughs) They can just (laughs) steal the entire plot. (laughs) That would be dumb. (laughs) Were you there when I when I beat the game and I just like just absolutely just destroyed the ending of that game, (laughs) just verbally assaulted it? Yeah, I was there. (laughs) Oh man! (laughs) And you don't even like. I'm gonna spoil this part. You don't even get to kill the animals, like. There are no animals. <laughs> it's, just a, it's such a sad game. I expected more from a Metroid. That's all I'm saying. And mind you, the last the last Metroid I played before Dread was Super Metroid, like 25 years ago. Yeah. So it, I had a nice window between Metroid <laughs> games. I own them all. I just don't play them because I don't like Metroid. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> eh. Uh, anyway, so what have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of games that I can talk much about because, one, I haven't played much because, again, we're, like, really recording these ones fast after each other. Um, so I've, I've played, we've played, I guess, Pony Island. Uh, <laughs> but that's for our Hunt Hunter series uh, for people who are watching those on YouTube. Uh, that, that will be a future one. Uh, You'll get to experience that one, and it's a hoot. Like it's, it's good. <laughs> it, 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 I had a lot of fun with it, but it's it's very fun to see me struggle with that game. Let me just <laughs> say it like that. Um, <laughs> I've only played one Game Boy game since last time, which is Megalith, and I'm not gonna talk about it here because I'm actually doing a light episode on it next. So there's no need to uh, to really talk about. It. It's a puzzle game. That's that's. Basically all you need to know. Uh, For those of you who have been listening to the previous episodes, it finally happened. After two years and seven months, I have completed Sekiro. I can't believe it took me that long, but yeah, I actually did it. Uh, All in all, it maybe took me two weeks, by the way. I just had it since release and and never got to the end end of it. Um... Everything was fun in that game, except for one boss, Owlfather, who can... <sighs> yeah, go f*** himself, there you go, just beat that out, <laughs> I don't care. That one took me seven hours to beat, and I still don't really get the fights completely, even though I know what to do. But that one was horrible, um, and then they were like, oh, but that's the second hardest boss, the final boss is actually the hardest. It took me three tr- tries to... F- beat the final boss and he has like four well he has three uh phases but you have to fight somebody else before it so i don't know maybe it was just a matter of that the sequencing you have to do for for owl father was harder for me to grasp than the final boss or something but yeah that that uh that one was horrible um but if you're going for the platinum and at least for me this wasn't fun you at least have to play it twice. I used the safe copy thing to get the three endings. You know how it goes if you have like... Oh, so you cheated. 
no. <laughs> like, I got to the end, you can't, you have three choices, but if you choose it, you go into... You don't go into New Game Plus, but, like, you can keep playing, so you have to reload your save file, but, of course, it's an automatic save, so if you uh, just copy your, your save file, you can just choose oh, the three endings. So uh, I did that, and then I got the other ending, the fourth ending, by playing through the game again up until a certain point where you have to choose. Uh, so I did that. And then you phase off against two new bosses that are not in the other uh, storyline, I guess. Um, but then I had to get all the skills in the end. Like, you also had to get all the, the upgrades. That wasn't too bad, but getting all the skills, at least for somebody who's only playing it twice to be done with it, because I have no intention of going to New Game Plus Plus or New Game Plus 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 Plus. Like, I, one, I don't have the time and it doesn't interest me either. Um, and I should... I, I could have gone to New Game Plus Plus which gives you 50% more experience points, basically, which makes it a lot easier, of course, to uh, to level up. But I did it in New Game Plus. Um, so it took me like eight hours to get off grinding. Uh, killing the same five enemies over and over again and reloading the, the bonfire or whatever you want to call it uh, in these games over and over and over again just to get enough to get uh, all the skills. So is it worth it? Not no. the way I did it. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you're going for the Platinum, this is actually one of the easier from software games uh, to get platinum in, in my opinion but yeah i finally did i'm glad i i did because i really really love this game um it just took me a while to to actually sit down and uh, and play it yeah uh, I, and then yeah i i enjoy watching those types of games i hate playing them yeah, you would not love this one yeah. at all. Um, especially because I saw you fight the last boss in, in Metroid Dread, <laughs> which basically is the same deal as the entire game of Sekiro. So so yeah. I know you would absolutely hate playing it. Like, yeah. Dark Souls, I can see you play. Bloodborne, no. probably the most. But Sekiro, yeah. no. No way. <laughs> absolutely yeah, I, no. I love watching those games. Like, yeah. I really, really like watching them. Not because, like, of the skill of everything. Like, I I really do appreciate the art style of the game. Bloodborne, the most out of them all. Because yeah, I love gothic stuff. Mm. So, <clears throat> like, I love watching people play the games. I, I can appreciate the the difficulty and everything else to them mm -hmm. but like <clears throat> play like i have played demon souls i've played dark souls one mm -hmm. and i i i liked demon souls but i went to go play dark souls one i was just like this is so boring to play i literally have to stand here to wait 20 seconds for it to swing then i roll around for the next five minutes before i can do anything i was like this is so boring <laughs> yeah that's why i think you would like bloodborne more because that one is more about fast movement and fast slashes and not so much yeah. weight and, and 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 parry basically sekiro is like like i said probably in a previous episode it's more of a rhythm game than it is a fighting game and it only makes sense if you're playing it um so yeah, it's fast-paced action. It's it's like great sneaking around and things like that. I love the setting because like Japanese samurai ninja stuff is is really cool to me. Uh, but but like the actual fighting, especially against bosses, is 
basically a rhythm game uh, where you have to press the correct button at the correct time to do what you need to do. And that's basically the entire thing. So. Did you ever play Ghost of Tsushima? No, because that one does not seem that fun to me because it's it's slower it's paced world, action right. uh, plus that as well. well Sekiro is also open world but uh, yeah I don't know like Ghost of Tsushima uh, yeah I don't know it, it just doesn't appeal to me even though I like the setting but maybe one day who knows fair. it does have yeah. like that timing and like rhythm stuff to it during fights so yeah it does that uh, it, it that is very much long. like it it feels more like an assassin's creed game like i commented on that when i played it two yeah. years ago like it's very much a samurai assassin's creed game so yeah so that, that's probably why i would not really <laughs> enjoy it at all so but yeah, whatever. Um, and then today I I had some time and I didn't know what to play. So I popped in the best Spider-Man game ever. Um, the f- the first one on Game Boy? No, the first one on PlayStation. <laughs> the one made by Neversoft. Uh, so with the Spider-Man you can play as in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Uh, I love that game. It's really cool but looking back at it now it's like mm, pre- pretty rough pretty rough character <laughs> models there black cat not looking that great uh but yeah it's it's still a fun game but of course i was an idiot and i'm playing on hard <laughs> mode because that unlocks one of the costumes and yep. i shouldn't have done that maybe but but is, it's a fun game is that one where you can deliver pizzas no this is like a very stage-based game um, oh, like okay. all stages are only one. like a minute long, even or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. of a different one then, because like there's a Spider-Man I played on the original Xbox, where uh, it it was very similar to the Spider-Man we got for PS4. That's the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's the, the movie. movie okay. One. Yeah. Because that one you can deliver one. pizzas. So. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, Spider-Man Two from that age of games, so based on Spider-Man Two the movie, uh, but also not really. Uh, apparently is one of the best Spider-Man games ever made. Uh, but I like this one. This one is very nostalgic. It has the best Spider-Man team ever. Um, just go look it up. PS1 Spider-Man team. It's like the the old cartoon one, but like with some pizzazz put into it. I don't know. It's just a really fun song and you you keep hum- humming along with it because it's so easy to do. Uh but yeah, I've been playing that, and, and that's literally it. Um, but now it's time for my rant when it comes to Spider-Man. Because, <laughs> uh, oh my god. So I've picked... Uh, pick, how am I? <laughs> picked back up reading. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, like that then. Um, so I started reading... See, that's easier to say. I started reading Spider-Man again. Um, and we've talked about this before, probably during the Spider-Man episode. But uh, I've read up until the end of Superior. Um, and then Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3 came out. Uh, which was in 2014. So that's when I stopped reading. And I'm done with the Turtles for now. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just start to read Spider-Man again. Um, so I looked up a list of trade paperbacks because that's way easier to get than single issues, of course, um, and also a bit more cheap. Um, and it just helps because it combines a lot of the issues into one uh, in, into one story. It's usually just one arc that they do. Um, so yeah, I needed volume three, which didn't last that long. 
like o over a year or something and it I could just buy all of them. So I have all these uh, trade paperbacks for volume three. Um, very easy to find and also pretty cheap, I guess. For here it's a little uh, more expensive because of course they have to ship it to, well, it's they sell them here, but we pay more than, than we should basically than if you would buy yeah. them in America or something like that. Um, so yeah, very easy to get. So I got them all in like two weeks or something. And then I was like, well, I better just go down the list and get the next one. Uh, so that would be the very first straight paperback of uh, Spider-Man Volume 4, uh, which apparently is called Worldwide. Um, and they released them as straight paperbacks back in 2015-16 in nine parts, so you would be like, okay, I'll just get those. No, they are just not available anymore. And I was like, why are they not available? I, it was so easy for me to get the ones from 2014. Why can't I get these ones from 2015, 16? No idea. Apparently they re-released um, the very first 20 issues of volume four in hardcovers. Uh, also called worldwide um so it's it's one two and three hardcovers they only have the first one the issues again those are not available anymore and there's no other way no other collections that just have the comics from like the the actual single issues from volume four and this is something i just absolutely cannot grasp when it comes to american comics why don't you just keep printing these? Like, as a European, I just cannot believe that. Like, I collect a few Belgian comics. Um, comics that have been going since the 50s here as well. So, like, that's even way older than these uh, Spider-Man issues I'm looking for now. But if I want the very first issue of that comic... I can just go to the store and get it because they keep reprinting them over and over again. Like maybe in a new jacket sleeve or something like that. But I can just go to the store and I have it. And for some reason, collecting American comics is literally impossible. It's at hard. least, At least for me as a European. And I know that collecting single issues is a big problem. I can see that because they have a limited print and then they move on to the next one. But if you're printing collections in trade paperbacks or hardcover or whatever, why are they not available anymore three years later or something? like? I think a lot of it comes down to demand. So like in America, comic book reading isn't all that popular in America anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If people want to have like a comic book experience now, they basically look towards like what The Walking Dead did, right? Like the big like visual novels. Yeah. Uh, so like they either they either cater to that now, or they cater to mangas. Like mangas in America is starting to make a pretty big surgence now as well. Mm -hmm. Comic books, though, like the problem with comic books is that they're starting to release them on the on the on the computer on the internet. <laughs> yeah, sadly. So like, for us, it's like, well, why would we go spend four dollars on a thing of paper where we can just go read it for free on the internet 
So it's, it's like, it, and plus, like I said, like the popularity of comic books in America has drastically decreased since you know the mid '90s. So uh, it's just it's just a demand thing. So like when when the companies that print you know the Marvel, DC comics, whatever it may be, you know, back in 2015, they print them until up until the point where there's like, well. No one really wants these anymore, so we're just not going to print them because it's a waste of money if they keep printing them. Um, obviously, there's there is a worldwide market, but again, like, what is the demand for comic books in the worldwide market right now? So, yeah, especially with everything becoming digital. So, yeah, it's it's just very strange to me. Like, even then, you would think the amount of uh, yeah, the amount that they would print them would make them very easily available through like Amazon or, or anything else for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but nope, they're just gone. And if you look for them on eBay or something, for me, it's unaffordable right now because of the shipping and the custom book. Um, but the, the prices are also like, it's three times as much as the, yeah. the new price. And I Here's what what uh, like like Marvel and Dark Horse comics and uh, IDW and then things like that do offer. You can buy them new on their website, so they would print it for you. But again, it would cost me like fifty euros of shipping just to get a comic yeah. book delivered. So I had yeah. that issue with mangas a lot, actually. Like when I got when I got the Death Note mangas. I, I'm one of those people that like the individual trade covers. Like I like the 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 each individual comic than I do the volume stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but for mangas, it's like so like you would think it'd be easier for mangas, but actually like it's hard for mangas because a lot of times these mangas are long. Like they're twenty, thirty plus, you know, books long. Yep. Uh so like so like for Death Note, I knew Death Note had a start and an end. To, to the manga itself, and I wanted each individual manga. But Death Note has been out for a while, and even though it is a very popular anime, it's very hard to find individual mangas for Death Note. So I actually had to go to the volume, so I had to get like the, the, the black edition, or whatever it was called. And even those were somewhat difficult to find, at least for me as an American. Yeah, see uh, that that's very weird. Like those are very easily available here as well. Yeah. Like the even the, the translated or the yeah, with translated I mean in Dutch of course, uh or the English prints, like I can go into a into a comic book store and they just have them all. Like it's it's literally no issue yeah, at the, all <laughs> the, the other one i actually had a hard time finding too were the zelda ones so like the zelda ones are the only ones i would buy the the volume books for and uh, even the zelda mangas are actually tough for me to find and it's a video game that's very popular in america mm-hmm. so uh but on the flip side like your comic book stuff i can literally go into my retro store and they have a whole room dedicated for comic books from the 50s all the way till today. Like, all the new releases are up against yeah. the wall. And, like, everything from, like, the 50s to, like, the 80s are sorted by year, by brand, by comic, in boxes on tables that you can just sort through. And, like, there are thousands upon thousands of comic books in that room, so. Yeah. Like, my only hope now is when, 
like comic convent well not conventions like expos for for comics like where people are just buying and selling them uh if those open back up again then i can look through those but otherwise i literally have no idea yeah. how i'm ever gonna find these uh these worldwide they're called comics at this point trade paperbacks uh so if anybody can help me out from europe please let me know because this is driving me insane <laughs> like <laughs> yeah swap meets would be nice to have again yeah like i know um like, I know, like, the manga stuff is starting to get a little bit better now. Like, we have bookstores. Like, we, we still have bookstores. I don't know. If you, I'm assuming you all still do, too. But we have bookstores yeah. still. Like, Amazon hasn't eaten everything yet. So, like, I would go to Barnes & Noble, and they actually have a manga section in the bookstore now. Mm-hmm. So that's how popular mm-hmm. mangas has started to become in, in America. Um, the, the only hard part is finding the manga, A, and then B, like making sure that they have it, like, on release. Because a lot of times here, the bookstores will eventually get the manga, but they won't have it on release. Like, when I bought Kirby, Kirby Volume 2, like, Barnes & Noble had it, but they didn't have it on release day. So I had to wait, like, an extra week before I could just walk in and get it. So, Still waiting for that one here. I don't know what happened with the European print of the Kirby manga Volume 2 and... Three at this point already, I think. But oh, I think three comes out next month. Yeah, they they keep pushing it back for some reason. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, but yeah, again, if anybody has any trade paperbacks of Amazing Spider-Man Volume Four, that is, they're all called worldwide, uh, one through nine, I think. Let me know because I need them. <laughs> I want to read them, and I don't want to. Di- <laughs> I don't want to read them digitally. I I just can't because you can easily get them on uh, Comixology. I think oh, yeah. it's called and Kindle, but I don't want those. That's it's not fun for me. I've read Spidey since the beginning until two thousand and eight digitally, <laughs> which were like thousand five hundred comics. Uh, it was rough. I I never want to do that again. So I just I just I, want I, something I, to hold. I don't want to do that at all. So yeah, yeah. I I didn't have a choice really. Like buying all of those would cost me like oh yeah two yeah, yeah. two million dollars or something. That would be crazy. <laughs> I ha- I have some of like the really old Spider Man comics in a box somewhere. Yeah, I, I have like from which was uh yeah from like 520 <laughs> up until 700 or so i believe in single issues but yeah uh well yeah like digs before that i, I just read uh, on my computer sadly <laughs> but yeah whatever i at least read them all so that there's something uh, yeah i haven't read one since doc ock killed peter parker so <clears throat> yeah so before superior even uh so yeah, all right. That was my rant for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it had been bothering me. I'm every day. I'm looking for these comics and I can't find them. It's it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for the rants and what we've been up to. So uh, we're gonna dive into our games in this case uh, for this episode. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Fortified Zone series, and we'll be right back after this nice little song.
Alright, welcome back everybody. Hope you enjoyed that song. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Fortified Zone series, also known as Ikari no Yusai. Um, and contrary to what many people believe, this game has actually nothing to do with Ikari Warriors, uh, if, if you know that game. Uh, it came Great out on game. many systems, uh, even had two sequels. But yeah, it has nothing to do with, with that game at all. Uh, those were made by SNK, I believe, uh, yep. and, and these games are made by Jalico. So besides the name kind of being the same... Um, it has nothing to do with it. Um, Ikari itself actually just means anger or fury. Um, in, Jap in Japan, it was just called Ikari, and in the US, it was I Ikari Warriors. Um, and Ikari no Yusai actually means Fortress of Fury, which took me <laughs> quite some time to find the actual translation, because if I uh, put in Ikari no Yusai in... Uh, Google Translate, it just said fort, uh, Fortified Zone, which was very funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's actually Fortress of Fury. That's that's the literal translation of it. It's funny. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but I guess somebody put it in there, whatever. Someone at Google doesn't know how to translate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Fortified Zone... Uh, Fortified Zone is the only uh, Akari game for the Game Boy to come out in America as well, too. So the sequel would actually just be a Japanese-only game. Mm -hmm. uh, but Fortified Zone, or Akari no... Yep. Uh, Yusai? Yusai, yeah. Yusai. Nailed it. I did a bunch of <clears throat> Japanese stuff yesterday in the light, so I have a lot of practice now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, released in uh, February 26th of 1991 in Japan, 1991, uh, September of the US, and then in 1991 in Europe. So, at least within the same year, it was all released. Um, developed and published by Jalico. Jalico is a pretty known, pretty known name at this point in the industry, uh, and a very well-known name in the podcast. So, yep. Uh, uh, composed by uh, Sukasa Tawada or Honey Tawada. Uh, the name may sound a little familiar to you all. Uh, if any of you have played Pokemon Cafe Mix, um, they're responsible for the sound in that game. Harvest Moon 3D, they did the music for. Um, Pokemon XD, the Gale of Darkness, the Game Boy, or Game Boy, the GameCube uh, game. Uh, they were the music director, Pokemon Coliseum. Uh, so this name has been around for a while. So if you want to go way back, Earth Defense Force, Wampum, Druid, Maniac Mansion. Um, this is a very well-known composer uh, in the industry. Uh, the genre is a top-down shooter, just like Akari Warriors. Yeah, just like Akari Warriors. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And uh, yeah, for some people who may have played this game already or will be playing it, it might also look a little bit like uh, the older Metal Gear games, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it has kind of like the same premise to it, and, and we'll yep. actually come back to that in a little bit when we talk about the boss fights later on. Uh, but yeah, it, it has kind of like a similar setup, and uh, with that I'll dive into the plot here. 
which isn't as long as EBC here thought it was because the, <laughs> the other three pages are literally describing the game. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, here here we go with the plot, at least for uh, for this one. Two gliders land silently in a field on a moonless night. The two pilots disengage themselves from their crafts, and the shorter of the two hardly disturbs the air with a quick hand motion to her male counterpart. They steal away into the blackness. Their mission? Infiltrate the enemy fortress. They make their way through a booby-trapped field, then forge ahead into a heavily patrolled jungle. From there, they negotiate the dangerous twists and turns of underground caves that lead them to their ultimate challenge, the seemingly impenetrable fortress. You'll need all the fortitude you can muster in the fortified zone. Da -na 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 -na. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the younger audience, that's the Twilight Zone theme. <laughs> um. that, that's actually not bad to to add to the end of that plot thing. You know? <laughs> there you go, Lex. Those are your instructions for. <laughs> well, we just dated ourselves a little bit there, but you know. What? Well, well, the Twilight Zone, like you had the new season, which sadly got canceled after one season. Oh, what, was there? I didn't know they actually brought it back. Yeah, um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Peel. What's his first name? From Jordan. Kian. Yeah, he made uh, a season, a new season. Oh, got I didn't know. I didn't want to. I didn't know that. I was just referring to like the sixties and seventies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good in my opinion, but somehow it got canceled or whatever. Maybe That's people are, are not too interested in those types of stories anymore. Yeah, uh, they got X Files and stuff now. So <laughs> what? I yeah, I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's also not <laughs> going it's not on the anymore. Same. The, That's yeah. true. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that was the plot of Fortified Zone. So yeah, it it kind of sounds like uh, two spies infiltrating a a base. So um, that's that's kind of where the Metal Gear comparison also comes into play for sure. Um, and if you look at the game itself, like it's it's a top down shooter, like we said. Um, Can we call them spies though? Like I know we haven't gotten to the characters yet, but like Masada doesn't wear a shirt. At all. So, like, he's not very well camouflaged. And Mizuki wears, like, the Daisy Dukes with, like, but they're, they're you know, they're camouflage shorts, but they're Daisy Dukes, essentially. Like, yeah, there's true. no, they're not camouflaged. Like, can you really call them spies? Like, whatever. They're mercenaries or, or whatever yeah. they are. Like, they're, they're, they're definitely just, mercenaries. Yeah. They're, they're just infiltrating a fortress to, uh, to <laughs> save the world or whatever. It's all the same. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, so diving into controls. This game is actually pretty unique with its controls because you can swap between two different characters. Um, the A button allows Mizuki, which is the, the female uh, protagonist of the game, to jump, uh, which if you're into speedrunning, you only use her, basically. And then the other one, um, Masato, you can use A to swap your gun. Uh, B shoots... Start does absolutely nothing. Select actually opens up your menu where you can actually swap between characters, uh, which I found the easiest way to do that. Mm -hmm. D-pad, it lets you move. <laughs> um, and then you can do something, up, start, and select to change your characters. But like I said, 
uh, even though there's a hot, hot swap, hot combination, whatever combination to hot swap, I've personally found a select and then going into the character selection that way was a lot easier and a lot less prone to error when I wanted to hit start select A, B, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can't do the fast swap at all. It's like it works one out of 15 times for me, so yeah. I don't know if it's it's actually a good way to do it or not. Maybe if you're I, used to how you have to do the input, but I didn't quite get it. Yeah, I, I maybe have gotten it a handful of times, but I just always ended up going into the menu to do it. Yeah. Um. So we got our characters here. So we have, um, we'll start with Masato Kanzaki. Uh, he is your slow walking, fast fast shot rate. So that means there's more bullets on the screen at a time, uh, and can use other weapons. He also has a lot more stamina as well too, so he can take a bit more a bit more punishment from from the from the enemies. Nah, that's in the second one, not in this one. Oh, is that the second one? Yeah, that's the second. All one. right. Well, <laughs> never mind. He, he just gets shot as much as Mizuki and dies. So the heck with him. Uh, Mizuki is your faster walker, slow shot rate, uh, no special weapons, but she can jump, which jumping is actually pretty huge, um, in some parts, especially when the floor starts to fall down. Um, the slower shot rate, I didn't find, the only time I ever found the slow shot rate a, a problem was with, like, the, uh, the faster moving enemies later on in the game, but even then, for the most part, like, if you're kind of close to an enemy... Like, if the bullet's off the screen, you can just shoot again anyway. So, uh, if you're one of those pumpers, you can just keep using Mizuki, uh, Makimura, throughout the entire game. Uh, I personally played Mizuki almost the entire playthrough, so. Yeah, for me, it just depends on the situation. I play it a little bit more, like, definitely switching out characters constantly when it comes to the first game, at least. Um... Because, like, yeah, the jumping does come in handy for parts with, like, conveyor belts and things like that. Because you basically skip parts of that yeah. with the jump. Uh, but otherwise, I, I think Masato is uh, if better well-rounded because of uh, his different weapons as well that you can can sometimes use in other situations. But it's really just a playstyle you prefer. And luckily, you can, like... Switch whatever you want, unless, of course, one of your characters uh, dies, then you can only pick the other one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are, of course, some helpful items uh, hidden throughout the stages that can uh, can help you along the way. Um, some enemies and also boxes drop med kits, um, depending um, if you're hurt or not, they will either heal you or they get stored up in your inventory and you can hold up to nine. And what that does is when you uh, lose all your health on one character, it will automatically refill it. So that's always yep. very useful. And like I said, some enemies, and you can tell which ones, usually it's the turrets, the stationary turrets, they drop them very fast so you can like farm them up. So you always have a... A bunch of extra health with you. Um, you can also find a health up item. Um, it's literally a square that says up. Um, both characters starts start with three health, and they gain one extra pack for each HP up. And I think it's up to eight or nine or something like that um, to get your full health bar, uh, which is uh, really cool if you start a game from the start 
and keep on playing without ever dying. Uh, but sadly, if you would game over, and there are passwords to get you back to a stage, you'd start with three health again. So yep. um, there are always health ups hidden in each stage. So in the later stages, you wouldn't even need them anymore. But um, yeah, you can get, uh, get some more health again, but it's harder to max both characters out uh, starting in later levels. Um, you can also find keys. Those are usually dropped by mid-bosses, I would call them, or uh, even hidden away in crates again. And you need those to get through certain doors. Like if you walk to, up to a door and it doesn't open, uh, which is usually... Well, the, most of them open if you kill all enemies on screen, but if there is one that doesn't open on its own, it's usually because you need a key, but not always. There are uh, other ways to open them as well. Um, like mentioned before, Masato uh, actually can pick up other weapons. Um, there are a few of those. One is an F, which is a flamethrower, which is probably the most useless one uh, out of the bunch, in my opinion. Um, it, it's The range of it is like three pixels so you have to get really close to enemies um yeah, of course yeah it does a lot of damage but most enemies where you need to do a lot of damage they move around a lot so they will hit you uh anyway so it, it's better not to use it um you got the tree which is your basic spread shot uh the v which is a machine gun um like for shooting in this game you need to constantly press b uh, to shoot the machine gun will take care of that because you can just hold down the a button in that case um you can find a grenade which is well a grenade <laughs> I mean, you, you throw grenades so that's what you do um and then there's the troll one which you might recognize from uh, bad gun if you've played bad gun on game boy uh which is the s and that's like a downgrade because uh, it only lets you shoot two bull bullets at a time uh, so Definitely try to avoid that if you see it. Um, <laughs> sometimes you will see a missile that is not a rocket launcher. It actually just replenishes all the ammo of your special weapon. Uh, because yes, all the special weapons have ammo and they run out very quickly. Um, and then there's also a P that you can find, which does not appear very often, but it powers up your standard gun. Um, and it can be picked up actually by both Masato and Mizuki in this case. <clears throat> yeah, so going into the stages, uh, we're not going to deep dive into the stages just because the stages are maze-like. It's like if you've played Metal Gear, it's very <laughs> similar to that where you just kind of have to know where to go and just maneuver your way around through the stage, just like collecting things and backtracking a little bit here and there. Yeah. But we can go over the bosses of yeah. the stage. It, it, it's also kind of like a Zelda dungeon, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. And you, you map out the, the place <laughs> until you have found everything. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first boss you're going to come across is basically turrets. So you're going to approach this, like, well, fortress, so to speak. It's like a fort. It's not really a fortress, but a fort. And there are turrets in like the in the corner boxes of this fort. Uh, you'll be able to see one on screen, but there I think believe there are four altogether. Two of them are in the back, two of them in the front. But since this fort is so big, you can only see one at a time. And the screen does move with you as you walk around. It doesn't do like the 
the the shift to the next screen type deal it does actually like move with you as like a spotlight um pretty easy fight the first two i would say probably poses the most threat to you because they are the closest to you but you can pretty much you can dodge those bullets pretty easily and you can actually blow up the, the back two turrets without them even being on screen mm -hmm. uh if you just line your if you line yourself up properly with the uh with the outer wall of the, one of the boxes of the turrets that you just killed you can actually hit the turret from a distance uh and be out of harm's way completely and actually destroy them off screen so mm -hmm. yeah field is also a very good tutorial stage um it is a very short map like if you look at the map itself um on your uh, option screen you can see that it doesn't fill the entire uh, map basically it, it's only a few rooms uh, it introduces you to all types of enemies that you will encounter throughout the game like your normal soldiers your jeep soldiers your yep. uh your little robot dudes that walk around and things like that so um this is really just teaching you how to play the game it's also a very linear stage where you go into a corner you see oh i need a key here i have to go this way get the key come back and move on um so yeah it, it teaches you how to play the game for sure yeah and then um we go into into stage two or the jungle um you have to face off against a jeep here i believe you have to face off against a jeep in the field as well too i don't there are remember. some jeeps yeah okay, those yeah. are those are like the mid boss the quote-unquote mid boss yeah. yeah and they're pretty relatively easy they start off on one side of the screen they'll go up and down uh you just have to shoot them and avoid the bullets and eventually they'll go uh, across the screen, you just have to dodge it so it doesn't run you over, and then it'll go up and down, rinse and repeat till you blow up the jeep. Um, the main boss of the jungle is called the tank. The tank is kind of trolly at times. Uh, it's not a terribly hard fight. Uh, the tank is exactly what it sounds like. It is a tank, and it has a main turret in the center of it, and it has two back turrets in the back that do a, a three-bullet spread shot. Basically, what you do is that you just let the tank come down onto the screen, and just hang off to the side and just start laid into those back turrets until they until they explode. Um, and then once the uh, once the back turret or once the back turrets have uh, have gone away, uh, then you can start taking out the middle turrets. Sometimes I think I end up big taking out the mid middle turret before the back turrets in a way just because of how I played the game. Um, this is the only time that I found the flamethrower to be actually useful, uh, in the entire playthrough mm -hmm. <laughs> because the middle, the middle turret, the middle turret can't shoot to the side. It can only shoot a missile from the front, uh, and the side turrets can only shoot from the side. So you have a, you have a high probability of not getting hit if you're up close to the tank. Uh, so that's why I thought the flamethrower was the perfect weapon for this fight and it, mm -hmm. it does do a lot of damage at least so yeah. uh, if you get if you can take out the if you if you started on the right on uh, the left hand side if you can take out that far back left hand side turret then you can just swap to your flamethrower and you will be safe the entire fight from there on so yeah yeah jungle just builds on um the previous stage field basically it's uh still 
very easy to find your way through this only the map has gotten bigger there are a few more rooms that you have to go through uh, but basically yeah. it's still a very straightforward stage to get through the end in this case yep and then uh, we go into the underground caves which th these mid bosses aren't jeeps this time around they are these like alien crab they're like the um, what are the one eye things in Zelda called uh, uh, the go gomas Tektites, yeah. Gomas, Tektites, yeah. There, it's like a, te it's like a, a yeah, an go oversized... yeah, Goma the spider, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it's, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like either like Goma or like a Tektite or oversized Tektite with crab claws. Yeah, are like the mid are like the mid bosses for um, the underground, and then your main boss fight here is a dragon <laughs> yeah somehow there's a dragon all of a sudden here uh, no idea where it came from but here not, it is and, and we don't mean like a mechanical dragon or like <laughs> nope. a dragon tank we mean an actual dragon uh <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just out of nowhere <laughs> so uh we have an actual dragon that comes up and he's going to shoot um <laughs> Fireball, well, fireballs at you in a in a three spread shot as well too. Uh, you want to hit it in the head because that is its only weak spot. And uh, what it's going to do is that it's going to start at the top of the screen, kind of come down a pretty close, shoot a spread shot. You just want to dodge. It's a pretty easy dodge. The bullets are slow or the fireballs are slow. Um, I found the grenades to be top notch for this fight because when he's up close, you can just lob grenades into his head. And then what he's going to do then, he's going to back up a little bit and charge at you. All you have to do is just move to the side because his whole body doesn't come down, just his super long neck. Like he has like the mm. neck of a of a brontosaurus, basically. Um, so he's going to come down basically until like his head is off screen. Basically, you just move to the side and just wait for him to come back up. And as he's backing up, he doesn't attack you at all, so you can just lay into his head as he's backing up. And he just moves side to side on top of the screen. It's a very, very basic fight uh, once you get the uh, the hang of it. And then once you've done enough damage to the head, it just blows up. So Yeah. Um, underground caves, feet, um, yeah, it, it features three things you will need to learn uh, before tackling the actual fortress. Um, so it introduces walls that you can walk through. You can see where you can walk through, but uh, at the, because you haven't used that mechanic yet, it might seem strange uh, at first. Uh, but there are some very obvious walls you can just walk through. Uh, it also introduces things that you need to shoot to turn the lights on. I don't know how that works. I would think it's the other way around. <laughs> like, <laughs> flip a switch to turn the lights on, but you have to destroy something to turn the lights on in this yeah. case. Um, and it also introduces the most annoying thing in this game, which is the reverse control, whatever it is, sensor or something. Uh, yep. And it does exactly what... What it says, like <laughs> suddenly your uh, your D pad is inversed, um, so you have to destroy that thing before you can walk normal again. Um, this map also has multiple levels. Um, in this yes. case, only two. Um, but yeah, it, it's annoying if you fall down a hole because you land back at the start of the cave and you have to move all the way back over again to where you just were uh, <laughs> to get back. But uh, when I was replaying this, I found out that there's actually... A, there is one room where you have to navigate 
with your reverse controls to shoot down a thing and then go into the door uh, while avoiding all the holes. And the hitboxes on those holes are horrible for some They're reason. They're real bad. In, in that room, particularly. I don't know if it... No, it's not like that in any other room. No. Uh, but apparently there's just another way around, so you don't even have to go through that room. I found that out while, while playing it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it shows you these things that you will need to know before going to the fortress. Because again, this is a very linear stage, but it has a part where you can fall back to the start and you have to do it all. Well, not everything because doors are open and things like that, of course, but you have to do part of it again. But it's just preparing you for things to come uh, yes. in the next stage. Because the fortress stage is long and it's huge. <laughs> um, so the mini bosses, what are the walkers <laughs> called in Metal Gear 5? Are they just called walkers? The the two legged you know what I you know what I mean the little oh, two legged like walk in yeah. five they're just called walkers I believe yeah okay yeah. so your mid bosses in the first half of the stage because the stage is kind of broken up into two halves the the mid boss of the first half of the stage is what I like to call the Metal Gear Five walkers so it is a mechanical unit that is upright on two legs that is shooting missiles at you. Uh, pretty easy fight, honestly. They kind of just scan the top of the stage and they just shoot missiles down. I think some of them might be homing. Literally just walk up to it and lob a few grenades at it and it'll blow up perfectly fine. The fun part comes when you face off against the quote-unquote final boss of this part of the stage, which is Metal Gear. <laughs> it, it so is Metal Gear. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know which one of the Metal Gears, but it is a Metal Gear. <laughs> Like it's definitely not Rex. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bipedal tank. Yes, just to avoid uh, avoid any troubles with Konami, I guess uh, it's just some bipedal tank. Yeah. So uh, if you've ever played the old Metal Gear games, you can you know how like a Metal Gear one it had like the the bipedal tank that just like stood there and you just lob it with rocket launchers, and then if you played Ghost Babble, you got chased by it, but it still just stood there. Um, so in this game here, it is a bipedal, a bipedal tank that shoots missiles and bullets, just like Metal Gear. Um, Mm -hmm. it looks just like Metal Gear. Um, (laughs) so in this one here, what's going to happen is that the Metal Gear actually moves though in this game. So it's going to come from the top of the screen, just like any other boss does. And when it comes down, you want to shoot the front of the Metal Gear uh, when the bullets come out. Otherwise, when that turret on the front of the Metal Gear is pushed in, what you want to do is that on the back, it kind of almost looks like back legs, but they're not really legs. It's actually a part of Metal Gear. Uh, You want to just start shooting the back of that because that's where the back turrets are for the missiles. Then once you take care of those back pieces of the turrets, you kind of just have to wait for... uh, you kind of just have to wait for this like centerpiece, like the it almost looks like an eyeball, to open up and start flashing. Think of like the Tecmo drone from um, the original Turtles on NES. You have to wait for the eyeball to open to hit it with Don with Donatello's staff. Um, this one here, you just have to wait for the eyeball to open up and start flashing, and wait for it to walk down. 
and then uh, you kind of lay into this. After a while, it's going to lose its legs and turn into a flying unit. Uh, and it's going to shoot like this, like weird wave spread shot straight down and kind of like towards where you are. It's a pretty easy dodge if you stand pretty far away from it because the bullets, oddly enough, disappear because they do have a range to them. Um, basically you just kind of stand a little bit far away, wait for them to start to end off and just kind of like walk past them and then just shoot into the eye itself again. And then after a while, that, that eye will just destroy and Metal Gear will blow up, taking you into the second half of the fortress. Yeah, you thought it was over, and I thought it was over as well the first time I played this game. Uh, but nope, you still have a few rooms to get through, uh, which is kind of a gauntlet of mini-bosses, if I remember correctly, right? I just Yeah, you have, you have to fight... Yeah, you have to fight through the walkers again. Um... It, it, yeah, you have to like, fight through the walkers again. You have to fight through um, uh, what's the guy from Short Circuit? Uh, whatever oh, his name is, he pops yeah. up kind of in the game a little bit too. Uh, he's kind of a pain in the ass to fight. Oh, what's his name again? Now I need to know his name. It's something Five. Yeah, it's something Five. I can't remember what it is. Johnny Five. Johnny Five. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to fight Johnny Five, um, the Walker from Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually you get to the final, final boss of it all, which is a computer, I guess. Yeah, um, or, a, or a core. Like, it's just a stationary pillar. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, think, I of, think of, like, Star Fox 64. You remember how in Star Fox 64, once you take out those outer posts, you have this giant thing in the center with all these mm -hmm, like flashy mm -hmm. lights on it? It's yep. almost like that. Um, so when you come into the screen, you are quickly introduced um, to two long legs right in front of you that uh, aren't afraid to reach out and hit you or shoot at you because they are guns. So... You want to take them out almost as soon as possible to give yourself room to kind of maneuver around. Otherwise, it does become a little bit of a bullet hell because of it. Once you've taken out the front legs, you can just simply walk to the back. And on the back side there, you're going to see like three cylinders, one facing you and two facing the sides. Um, you kind of just lay into the back cylinders. Uh, there'll be like a flashy button that will shoot a bullet out. Once you take care of the back, uh, the back cylinders, then you gotta focus on the front, and the front is the hardest in my opinion because it shoots lasers, but there's not a lot of room in between the lasers to get shots off. <laughs> so this is where if you've collected a lot of those up power ups to get your life up, and if you have full health going into this boss fight, honestly, I would recommend getting your machine gun out or your powered up powered up gun. And just walking right down the center of that and just tanking the lasers while laid into the final cylinder in the front. Otherwise, what you can do, what I did in my playthrough, was that I was able to time it just right to go in between the lasers, shoot two times, move to the side, move back in, shoot two times, move to the side. It's longer, but it does work and it is safer as well too. Um, once you've destroyed the center pillar... Um, the, uh, the mainframe basically explodes from there, and then you get a congratulations, your mission is complete, into a, 
uh, very nice looking uh, animated cutscene of a fortress blowing up and um, Mizuki kind of being hobbled off the battlefield with uh, Masato. Yeah. Yep. That takes care of the entire uh, fortified zone in this case. Um, Yeah, it's only four stages. It is not that long of a game if you know what you're doing. Uh, But otherwise, it might take you like an hour or two to get through it the first time you play it. Um, But yeah, it's a very fun game. Uh, It's very Very action-packed. If you're into top-down shooters, like there's millions of these. um, And not arcade-styled ones. These actually have like a map and and things to discover and keys to collect. Uh, You know, yeah. If you're a fan of old Zelda games, I guess, 2D Zelda games... Uh, this will be right up your alley. It's just Zelda with guns, I guess. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. It's yeah. like Zelda. It's like Zelda meets Metal Gear. Yeah. So, so. It, it, it's very a very pleasant game to play for sure. Um, what you can say about the game is like the, the sprites are pretty huge in this one. Uh, Large, they're they're yeah. real, really big. So uh, there's well, not you know, that much going on on the screen at all times. So so. It's easy to get through it, but the later stages do require you to like memorize where to go, where you have been, yeah. uh, and take care of a lot of mini bosses that could take down your health. But like I said, um, there's always a room where there are turrets, those small turrets, and you can just farm those for for medkits all day long. So it's yeah. always a good thing to do that. The also nice part too is that even though our sprite is large, the other sprites are large as well too. Yeah. So there's Absolutely. not a big, there's no real disadvantage at all with the big sprites this time around. And honestly, like the bigger sprites actually make the game a lot more fun. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's very nice uh, sprite work for sure. Yes, um, especially because this was '91, which is yeah. like the the quote unquote third year of Game Boy. But uh, it it has a nice visual style to it for sure. It does, and the music is quite well, yeah. quite well done in this one as well. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing this a little bit different than usual when we talk about multiple games, and that's because one and two are pretty similar, like very similar. <laughs> in in a big way. So we're just gonna dive straight into the second game, uh, but we're not gonna be th- going over the gameplay and the characters again, and uh, and and like. The controls um, because they're virtually the same so we're going to be talking exactly. about like the differences between the previous game and this one and then just give an overview of uh, of the stages again uh, but yeah when it comes to Ikari no Yusai 2 um, this game came out a year later basically uh, well 221 yeah. half a year later actually uh, in Japan at least, um, because that's the only place it came out, sadly. Uh, I don't know why, because you would think the first one did pretty well, so uh, why not do this one? Uh, But yeah, they didn't. Uh, But again, developed by Jellico and published by Jellico. Um, Apparently, there are different composers for this one. You found, because I can find it. I found composers (laughs) for this one. This one, the composers for this one was actually pretty tough to find. Um, I found that, uh, at least from what I've researched and found for this, uh, composers Yasuyuki Suzuki and Kiyobaka Sangao were, uh, responsible for at least the sound 
uh, for Fortify Zone 2. Uh, I couldn't find much about uh, Kiyobaka, but I did find a little bit about uh, Yasuyuki. Mm-hmm. Um, Yasuyuki did, uh, well, their their first game was Akari no Yasao 2, so this was the very first game that they, uh, they actually had uh, uh, done. Uh, but for the most part, they've done dominantly <coughs> Japanese games. Uh, they Some of the games you may know, Operation Logic Bomb, which we'll very brief touch on later on. Yeah. Um, Tale of the Sun, uh, they were the main sound designer. Um, and Monster Kingdom, Jewel Summoner, uh, they were a composer for. But So a lot of these games are pretty, un- pretty unknown or very much just Japanese exclusives. Uh, they were they were they were going strong up until 2008. It looks like for audio stuff, and then they kind of just fell off the the planet. So, mm-hmm. uh, but this is their first game as a as a game credit for audio. So. All right, all right, yeah. Um, I do know that there are, uh, there are some songs from the previous game that are also in this one. Yeah. Um, so I guess they just reused some things here and there but also made some new tracks for it um well like i said this is virtually the same kind of game so again it's it's a top-down shooter of course um sadly i could not find plot because japanese only uh so like (laughs) even if we have the manual which i think we don't uh i couldn't find it but as it's virtually the same game uh lex you can just copy paste the plot that i set for the previous (laughs) game but you can um change the stage names that i set in that one to laboratory factory shelter shelter and then fortress because that's the that's the only difference uh yeah i I think it's most laboratory yeah it's and it's it's pretty much the same deal uh that, that last game. You're just going through some things to get to a fortress and, and destroy it. So yep. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. So like we said, we're not going to go over the controls. We're not going to go over power up or yeah, most of the power ups at all uh, because it is a almost copy and paste from Fortify Zone 1. But this is where some differences <laughs> do come into play. So Masayato, Mas- Masato, Jesus, Masato. I want a Y in there. Like Masato just sounds so much cooler. <laughs> Masato um, starts with a bigger health bar, so you can take more hits. Mizuki starts with a smaller health bar, and she's able to jump again. Both characters can have three guns from the start: a machine gun, uh, a shotgun or a grenade launcher, and your shotgun is your spread shot. Um, Some doors can actually be shot open with a grenade launcher. This is actually required through the game. Um, And only med kits can heal you, so you actually cannot collect them this time. Um, And there are keys to collect again. Uh, From the start, the maps are a lot bigger in this game, which I would expect from a sequel and from a game in 1992. Uh, however, the character sprites are a bit smaller this time around. Not much smaller, but they are reduced a little bit. Yeah, they definitely put some... Well, I wouldn't say more effort into the, the design of this game, but it it feels familiar, but it looks different, uh, yeah. which is really cool. Like, Is it better than the first one? I don't know. It, I think it just depends on which one you like more in this case. Like, I wouldn't say it's it's a 
actual improvement. It's just a little bit different in this case. Yeah, I like the boss. We'll get into it more, but I like the boss fights more in this one. But yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so in this one here, stage one, we go into the laboratory and uh, you're going to face off against the flamethrower tank. Which, if you think that sounds intimidating, you are wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is the easiest boss you will ever fight in your life. So, it looks cool, at least. It looks awesome. But, um, when you go into this boss fight, you're going to see this giant twin, or like six cannon flamethrower tank in front of you. Uh, but it doesn't get up, it doesn't move, it's just it's stationary on top of the screen. So already, unlike uh, Fortify Zone 1, this boss just doesn't move at all. It kind of like the boss and stuff just fade into the screen and you guys be ready to go. But with this boss fight, the center like thing opens up and there's a little orb or an eye again. Uh, very similar to the final boss that we just fought in Akari Warriors or Akari Warriors Fortify Zone 1. Um, you have to wait for that hatch to open and wait for this ball or this eye to be exposed, and you kind and you just start shooting uh, into it. Whether it's your rock, your grenade launcher, your machine gun, whatever. Uh, but while the eye is open, it's also shooting a a lot of bullets at you at once. Um, so you have to like kind of swap to the side a little bit to dodge it once the bullets start coming out. As while like once the bullets start to slow down. The six turrets, three on each side of you, or each three of each side of where that container is, start to light up with a little bit of fire on the tips of them, and they're going to extend flames that go all the way down the screen. So you either need to be to the far left, the far right, or right in the center, which ideally is where you would be for this, to not get hit by the fire. Uh, it's a rinse and repeat fight, and then once it's all over, the... Uh, the tank explodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in this case, not so much of a tutorial stage as it was in the first no. one. Uh, it really throws you right into it. Um, this game is, is definitely a lot harder from the get-go, uh, especially because uh, the changes they made with the HAL things. Um, you really have to know what you're facing in the next room to be able to deal with it better. Um, the only thing I can't exactly remember in this one, I know in this one you do not take any, uh, damage from touching enemies, but I can't remember if it's the same in the previous one, actually. Um, they might have changed that so you can, like, run into enemies, or is it the other way around? <laughs> now I don't know anymore. I don't remember, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the enemies in this one are, like... Harder to deal with, like even the, the standard yeah. enemies. Um, and they do want you to use your different guns uh, in a clever way to get around these enemies. Um, and yeah, of course, in this game, they all have unlimited ammo, so you can just switch between them constantly uh, to give you yep. the advantage, depending on which enemy you are facing off against. Yep. Um... Then we go into stage two, which is the factory. Uh, this boss sucks. Mm -hmm. This is the yep. tr this is the train boss. Um, this boss constantly moves. It is only hurtable in the center, and it's an absolute bullet storm yep. <laughs> to dodge. Uh, this is, in my opinion, one of 
the harder bosses in the game. Um, and so far, the series. So, right away, you get presented with a train. And it's not the normal train that you would think of with, like, a, a steam engine and whatnot. Uh, it's not like Lucky Luke train fight. But this one here is you are presented with a train cart that has uh, twin turrets on the ends that shoot missiles uh, straight down the screen. And then in the center, you have what kind of looks like a, like the, the rocket barrage, like from the from like the rocket barrage trucks, if you've played like Command and Conquer and things like that, uh, that shoot a bunch of bullets at you. And they, they kind of like they fall and the bullets like follow wherever you walk. So. And the only place that it can take damage is in the center of the train. So, right away when you're approaching this fight, you are presented with a ton of bullets. Um, and from here, I found the grenade launcher to be the best weapon for this fight because you can shoot at an angle with it. So, if you're far on the side of the screen, you can still lob a, lob a grenade to the side and, uh, and still manage to get it to the center. Um, the hardest part here is dodging the bullets because you kind of want to be a little close because when you start moving, the bullets kind of actually start to like hook around you a little bit, but you don't want to be too close because then the missiles are going to hit you. So it's, it's a bit of a finding that sweet spot and knowing when to move side by side, uh, to dodge it. But once you've figured out the rhythm, because there is a rhythm to the fight, once you have figured out the rhythm of dodging the, um, the bullets, the missiles are pretty easy to dodge after that. And then from there, it's just knowing what windows you have to shoot the center of the tank. Yeah. Um, or a, train, rather. Tra yeah, train. Yeah, this one always reminds me of, like, uh, one of the bosses in... I think it's Operation C in one of the top-down stages. Uh, it... it it's also like three parts of a train coming together and the middle one shoots and then there's the turrets on the side. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. Th that it reminds me of. Or the terrain fight in Mercs for Arcade or Sega, if, if Genesis, I believe, uh, if you've played that one, but then you're on... Then it's a vertical train and you're on a platform. But yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, of those fights a lot, for sure. Um yeah, the factory is, is like the first stage where it becomes apparent that uh, Mizuki really has her uh, <laughs> has her merit in, in this game yeah. more than in the previous one, I believe. I, I still feel like in the previous game you can play with both characters, but it just depends on your playstyle. But in this one, uh, because the factory starts introducing the uh, conveyor belts again and things like that, if you try to walk over them with Misato, you're gonna have a horrible time. But the moment you switch over to Mizuki, you can just like fly all over the place, really. So, uh, in that regard, the game does the different characters a little bit better, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, no, I swap. So, like in the first Fortified Zone, I I rarely swapped unless I died. I rarely swapped characters. Um. This game, I swapped characters often. Yeah. 
a lot. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just uh, because we didn't go over it, uh, it's a little bit different how to switch characters in this one, um, which messed me up because I played them both after each other and I kept <laughs> pressing the wrong buttons. So uh, take some time in between playing the game so you're not too used to... Uh, to how switching characters were. It's the same like you go into the menu, but the menu is start this time, and it's yep. not go to switch, but it's just press select in the options menu. So yeah, it's it's way different. But uh, yeah, that messed me up a few times for sure at the start. <laughs> um, then we go into stage three, which is the shelter, uh, and the boss for this stage is you guessed it. Metal Gear. It is Metal Gear yet again. <laughs> it yep. is 100% Metal Gear. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, whoever designed for Fortified Zone 1 and 2 really, really liked Hideo Kojima. <laughs> so, um, so, here we go into a go into the Metal Gear fight. And again, it's another bipedal tank. And this time, it kind of almost looks like it has wings, but on each side, it has uh, it has turrets that uh, will eventually shoot missiles at you. And then in the center of it, we have this turret that is continually shooting bullets at you in a rotating manner. Uh, basically, as it's shooting at you, it's going to start walking down the screen. All you need to do is walk around the tank, either in a clockwise or counterclockwise fashion to dodge the bullets. It's pretty easily to dodge. However, you still want to hit the thing in the center, uh, as that is where its weak point is. Once it's done shooting its bullets at you, it's going to walk to the top of the screen, and those little winged turrets I talked about are going to start shooting missiles straight down the screen. Uh, I found if you just stood in the center, kind of close to Metal Gear, you won't get hit by them at all. And as soon as that middle hatch opens up again, you can lob some grenades into it to destroy it. Uh, once you've done enough damage to it, Metal Gear will explode and you will move on to Stage 4. Yeah. I can't really remember if there's any particular things about this stage. Uh, again, just like in the previous game... Um, this is where Stay- m- multiple floors are coming into play yeah. and things like that. So uh, it- it's getting harder to navigate through everything and finding all the correct things. And again, here comes the dark rooms where you have to destroy the thing before you can even see where you're going. Um, they are a little bit more uh, dastardly in this one, though, uh, because they're... I think it's... is it No, that's in the next stage. Maybe? No, 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 that's in this stage. Like, there are a few walls you have to walk through, but you can totally not see by just looking at the wall that you could walk through them. Um, So what you have to do is, like, go into the next room, see that there actually is an opening on that side, and then you have to realize, oh, that's actually a fake wall I can go through. Um, So it's a little bit more... (laughs) Yeah hidden in this game than it was in the previous game to navigate through some of the sections. Yeah. Um, the shelter stage is kind of an interesting stage. It does have multiple stories to it, and you actually have to do things in a very particular order to get through it. However, there are hints in the stage as to where to go and where hidden walls are. If you look very closely onto like the floor... 
sometimes the floor actually uses texture to make oh, it right. it's this stage yeah, to yeah, tell yeah. you where to go. So yeah. it's actually a pretty interesting stage. Um, so yeah, moving into stage four, which is the final stage. And again, in true fortified zone fashion, the stage is broken up into two parts. Um, so I believe you are introduced to these enemies in the previous stage as well too, but the quote unquote mid bosses in this game or in the, in this stage is this giant robot suited thing that, uh, it's kind of slow, but it shoots explosive rounds at you. Yeah. Um, and it goes to your last known position, and they are a bullet sponge, and they take forever to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the explosions are a pretty wide explosion that can hit you, even if you don't think you were close to it. So be weary of them. They kind of suck to fight, but they, they will die eventually. Um, so here we face off against a gyrocopter. <laughs> Uh, if you can recall in Fortify Zone 1 when Metal Gear turned into a flying unit, uh, pretty similar idea here again. The, uh, the, and you're going you're gonna to realize that there is a pattern to this. The center is the weak point of this boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is one of the coolest looking bosses, though, in the game. Uh, they did a phenomenal job making making this boss look look cool yeah so it is a gyrocopter on each side are fan blades that keep the helicopter afloat uh and they are very well animated and then in the center we have a we have a turret that is shooting um i think it's lasers or missiles eventually that come at you but in the center we have these uh grouping of four little turrets that shoot bullets at you. Uh, these are the most dangerous part of the fight because the gyrocopter almost traps you to the bottom of the screen. So when it comes in, it wants to get real close and personal to you on the bottom of the screen, and it doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room to dodge bullets. Uh, but again, your grenade launcher is going to be your best friend of this because you can just lob it diagonally into the center if you're caught too far to the side. Uh, the hitboxes are pretty lenient with these boss fights as you don't have to hit them directly in the center. You can kind of hit them off to the side because the explosion animation uh, hitbox will actually go into the actual hitbox of the boss themselves too. So you definitely have some leniency uh, when fighting these bosses. But uh, this boss isn't hard per se, but it can cause a little bit of anxiety because of how close it, it will get to you. But admire this boss fight because the sprite work is gorgeous on this fight anything you want to add to the gyrocopter stage well the stage is not over yet of course because it's, it's uh, not it's because not. It, it's it's still stage four in the in the fortified zone game so <laughs> nope this is not the final boss um, and truth be told when it comes to this stage the bosses aren't really the issue. Um, no. Like stage four, the fortress again in this case, like it is a brutal, brutal stage uh, to get through. 
yes. mostly because of the way you have to handle health management in this game. There are only like three or four med kids that you can grab. The entire stage is riddled with mid bosses, ranging from that grenade thrower to some stupid turrets that lob grenades at you and things like that. Yep. Like it is a very, very hard gauntlet to even get to the bosses. And basically the bosses are more of your uh, chill type in this stage. Yeah. Uh, it's also a pretty huge maze. Uh, I think it's three stories again that you have to go through. You have to blow up floors to drop down. You have to go through hidden walls you can't see. You have to destroy all enemies in certain spots to open a door somewhere completely different like this is <laughs> what you've been training for throughout these two games basically yes uh and in my opinion this is my least favorite stage just because there's so little health uh, to help you get through it sadly so i did find so i had that exact issue in my playthrough and i can go over this a little bit later there is a way to farm health in the final stage. Uh-huh. It, it sucks to do. Because it takes forever. But you can do it. Okay. And I know. And I found, I figured out how to do it. In my like my last attempt of beating the game. So. Um, when you go through the stages. There are turrets like up against the wall. Much like in Fortify Zone 1. That just shoot regular bullets straight down. And you just have to time it to walk past them basically. If you kill those turrets, they have a high likely they have a high chance of dropping medkits. Ah, see, that's something I never saw when I was playing through the game. So yeah, that's so interesting. They have a high they have a high chance of dropping medkits, and if I remember correctly, things can respawn in Fortified Zone Two. Um, in some rooms, yeah. In some areas, yeah. So. You have to find the room that responds. I believe I, it's pretty early on in the final stage, but there are two bullet uh, turrets that do respawn um, that you can just keep shooting over and over again to get medkits dropped. Now, it's not a, it's, they're not going to drop a medkit every time you kill them and respawn them. They're going to drop a medkit like once every like five or six kills, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you will get a medkit from them. Um, so make sure like if you see turrets throughout your playthrough and you need health, kill them. They actually have a high chance of dropping a medkit versus a regular enemy on the screen. So That is good. That is my tip when playing Fortified Zone 2, because health management in this game is crucial. Yeah. Okay, so we are in the second half of Stage 4, the Fortress, and again, we are fighting Metal Gear, and this is the traditional Metal Gear, because this one doesn't move at all. It sits against the wall, and it just shoots missiles. <laughs> um, this one, it again, the sprite work for this is phenomenal. It looks so, so good. Uh, so the way it looks right now, so you look at it, it's almost it's an in development Metal Gear as well too because this is only the top half of the Metal Gear. Uh, we're still waiting for the legs apparently. Um, so on the sides we have like what looks like arms and these arms are shooting bullets at you. Um, now mind you, the bullets don't come out terribly quick, but they home onto you. Um, so you kind of have to know where to move and how to move in this. As we go in more into the center, we have two big turrets side by or, uh, side by side of the center that shoot uh, missiles or rockets out. 
uh, and these missiles and rockets just go straight down the, the screen from here. Um, so there are some damaging parts that you can do to this boss fight. Typically, you're going to try and aim for the center, uh, as if you hit the center, everything takes damage. If you have, so there's a fun little fact with this fight, if you have full health, you can tank this fight. Uh, you can't tank a missile, but you can tank the bullets because you have what is called invincibility frames. And since the bullets hit you at the exact same time, you don't take double damage. You can just take single damage while fighting this fight. So, uh, a tip you can do with this fight is once the rocket phase is over, is immediately run to the center of the screen and just start lobbing your grenade launcher into the center of the metal gear while the bullets are hitting you if you have full health. Um, and if you time everything correctly, you will end the fight with two health, um, and you can go from there. Or you can swap over to your other character, uh, who may have full health as well, too, and just go ham. Otherwise, you can target the arms and take off the turrets one by one, and then focus on the center as well, too. But then you're going to have to worry about rockets continually being launched. Uh, so you're going to have to rely on your skill of diagonal shooting, to dodge that because you really can't stand in the center when the when the rockets are going out because the rockets actually stagger themselves when they're going down and you will risk the chance of getting hit in the center upon doing so. But once you've taken out the center of that, you have beaten the game. You get a congratulations. Your mission is complete. You don't get a fancy little cutscene, animated cutscene this time. But instead you get Mizuki and Masato standing tall on top of a rock. Uh, and a staff roll uh, underneath of it. Yeah, and that marks the end of the amazing adventures of Masato and Mizuki. They will never be seen again in another game, sadly. True. Yeah. So yeah, th those were the two Ikari no Yusai games. Um, they are amazing games, especially for the time they got released in like 91 and then like half a year later in 92 basically yeah. um yeah for they translated this concept very well and, and like i said it's like kind of like metal gear kind of like zelda it's a very cool top-down shooter and, and it mixes those genres perfectly well into a very enjoyable game for sure um and I think everybody should definitely check out these games if they have the chance. Fortified Zone is easily available anywhere. Um, and I think they're also on DS, 3DS. But does that shop still exist? I know they're on... I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I forgot. But I know they were on, on the 3DS, both of them. Uh, if I remember correctly, to be played. And otherwise, a copy of Fortified Zone is easily findable, like... I found mine for like five bucks back then, but now it's probably a little it's bit. It's probably like twenty dollars yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I don't know if I have that one actually. I might have. I, uh, I don't have the second one. I have the Japan. I have the first Fortified Zone in English and Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know, but yeah, definitely check out both of these games. They're really cool. Um, the second one definitely is the harder one out of the two. Uh, because the way health works in that one. Um, but yeah, yeah. You, you should definitely play them. Maybe not back-to-back, -back, like, again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a moment, because otherwise you're going <laughs> to screw up the controls. Uh, 
But yeah, these are two amazing games, and yeah, sadly the second one only came out in Japan. Uh, and yeah. no, not many people know these games, weirdly enough. No. Uh, was a nice idea fun, to yeah. It was a very good idea to do an episode. Uh, about these for sure um with that we're gonna take another short break with another song um and after that we'll uh we'll cover the the cover art and some trivia and our thoughts about the games a little bit more in depth and things like that so enjoy uh the song from the second game and we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that song from the second game. Let's uh, dive into the cover art. Or cover... covers... arts? <coughs> Co- cover arts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at all the covers. There we go. <laughs> uh, so let's start with Fortify Zone 1. Uh, start with the Western release for it. Um, you know what? So just... The art style in general, it reminds me of, like, the old, like, 70s and 80s, like, Western book covers. I don't, I don't, you, you may have had them in Europe, maybe not, but in, uh, in America we would get, you know, Western, Western romance books were super, super oh, yeah, popular yeah, 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 amongst, yeah. like, grandmas and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And the cover art for Fortify Zone looks very much like how the cover art would look on those books as well, too. Like, hand-drawn with, like, kind of, like, dun- like, like dungy, like, painting style to, like, show texture. And it looks, like, super romantical, like, even though this guy's holding a giant machine gun. Like, the man is in front of the woman and... Showing that his brawn and strength, while the woman is trying to be more feminine while holding a an Uzi in the scent, whatever it kind of resembles that a little bit uh, in terms of the art style. But the art style for the Western was actually kind of kind of cool. So like going from the top down, in the far background we have this like giant uh, uh, mountain uh that is kind of layered it almost looks like a fortress a little bit mm-hmm. uh and then it goes into like the jungle and then in the field so it actually has layers of what the levels that you play through um coming from the background towards the foreground and as we get to the foreground at the top we have fortified zone and bright yellow and black coloring um wrapped in barbed wire and then below that we have Masato and Mizuki. Uh, Mizuki behind Masato holding a Uzi uh, in a jean jacket and very short to jean shorts. And of course she's blonde because that's just how it was in America. <laughs> and then in the very foreground we have Masato, no shirt on, with a bullet with a bullet belt going across his chest, holding a basically a light machine gun with a grenade launcher. Um and jeans and just looking off into the distance uh, with a very uh, aware face. 
Yeah. Almost looks like a very young Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. Bit. Yeah, like like a Delta Force movie cover yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to see like I know there are some books out there here and there that like uh have art uh like the complete picture that they they cropped for, yeah. for boxes and things like that. We'd love to see like what the entire drawing uh or painting or whatever it is looks like because it's really cool like uh yeah it 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 looks like a cover of an for me for an 80s action movie uh just like yeah. Delta Force or something like that but then instead of of uh real actors of course on the cover like just drawn covers uh yeah you could argue that they kind of look like Kyle Reese and and uh Sarah Connor in the in the, in the background <laughs> or something from Terminator One if they were in a in a <laughs> jungle shootout or something like that. Uh, uh, but yeah, I like this cover a lot. It's it's yeah, I do too. I mean, I always like these ones that are like really nicely drawn because the details on this drawing are like absolutely amazing. So uh, so yeah, that, that's a really good cover for the the western release at least um but it definitely took inspiration from the japanese one uh which yeah. is technically the same but then drawn in 80s anime style um yeah. or, or late 70s early 80s anime style where they were still like if you look at that anime nowadays or, or manga nowadays it, it really has that <clears throat> very typical Japanese style to it in how they draw characters. Uh, but when it comes to like very early manga and, and uh, anime series, they would usually draw them more like Western styled. Uh, so yeah. it definitely shines through uh, on the Japanese cover. And yeah, it's basically the same because like it has the, the, mountain in the background and you can see like what i guess is the top of the fortress coming out of it at the top there yep. um you have uh both characters standing in the front again uh completely in the front this is the male character now i because <laughs> i don't uh have the things Mas here masato. masato yeah so masato is in the front he's looking at the screen again he's holding his uh, light machine gun with a grenade launcher with uh with the gum belt over him. Here he's wearing uh, camo pants, basically. Uh, still shirtless, of course, because that's how he is. Uh, he doesn't yep. do shirts. Um, and then you have uh, Mizuki in the background. Same dreads, actually, than, than in the other <laughs> cover. Yep. Uh, but this here time she's holding a pistol, though. Here she's holding a pistol, yeah, yeah. And behind them, you can see tanks and, and army men and things like that. Uh, on this yeah. cover, she looks a little bit more like uh, like Scully than, <laughs> than Sarah Connor, actually. She does, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, she, she does. does. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's Fox Muller in the front, though. <laughs> no. way, way, way too much muscles for that. Uh, but yeah, it's... He almost, it, he almost looks like the one of the guys from, like, Fist of the North Star, like, yeah. build-wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, that that's the style I was referring to, indeed. Like, if you look at Fist of the North Star, at least the, the old movies, like, the, those are very much more Western-styled characters uh, than what they yeah. have right now. Um, and going into the style of uh, Ikari no Yusai 2, you can see the difference, what I mean, with early 
anime and newer anime, at least 90s anime. Like, these look a lot more like Japanese characters than anything. Um, so, yeah, again, yeah. You, you have uh, both characters in the front, basically still wearing the same outfits as they had before. Uh, same guns, even. <laughs> like, they still are holding the same guns. Uh, yep. And in the background, you have this nice machine tech tech yeah it's kind it's kind of a metal gear but also not it's like a a robot basically it's it's the end it's the end boss it is the end of the game yeah yeah the funny part the the part i love about um fortify zone one and two box arts is that mizuki looks like a complete badass in the second one Mm -hmm. and she looks like this the the sorry if this comes out wrong but like the the scared like not worthless, but like the one that like you have to protect type yeah. person. In the first boxer, in the second boxer, she comes off as she's the one protecting Masato because she's the one like diving into action. Masato looks like he lost about a hundred pounds of muscle <laughs> and and uh, went about from forty years old to like thirteen years old. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mizuki, you know, like the roles like reversed basically in the box art for me. Like Mizuki looks like the person you need to protect in the first box art. And then Mizuki in the second box art looks like she's the one protecting Masato and just like going into action. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love all these box arts. Sadly the scan of the Japanese one for the first one is kinda crappy, but uh yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, I I love all these covers. Um, it's comic book style. Like, of course, I will love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, like the like the second box art is that like your stereotypical Japanese anime style, right? Uh, but there's a little bit less going on with this one. Like this one here, you can see Masato and Miziku up front. Um, with their guns. Uh, Masato looks like he might be shooting his. And then in the background, you have the final boss of Fortified Zone 2. Um, just big chill in there. Uh, I do like the and the Game Boy and everything else on top of the box art. It's actually really hard to see because it blends in so much with the actual coloring of the box art. But if we go down to where it says Ikari no, Ikari no Yasao, wherever it's called in Japan, Fortified Zone 2, uh, the <laughs> the wording actually stands out, even though it's like the same yellow and gold kind of throughout the entire box art. They outlined it and shattered it, so it super stands out, and it's like one of the one of the first things that your eye like gets drawn to. It's actually the flow of the box art is actually very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the box arts. Yep, that's it. Um, we have some trivia for the games. Um, so yep. both games, at least the Japanese versions, have oh. like yeah, <laughs> only the Japanese versions have like a password that you can enter. Um, there's a lot of different ones, but th- there's like some that changes the sprites of your characters into like chibi character sprites, um, and they 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 look funny. It's it's fun to play. Uh, Mizuki them. shoots hearts instead yeah. of bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's super Japanese, of course. But, yeah. Uh, it's uh, fun. But yeah, have. that that passcode only works on Japanese versions of the game. And the reason I know this 
is because when speed run when newer speedruns were being submitted for the game, people were putting in the Chibi password, and there was a lot of conflict on Twitter as to whether or not they were submitting a ROM hack. And I said, no, they are only they are submitting the Japanese version of the game with the Chibi passcode. If you would like to try it yourself, here is the code. Play the Japanese version with this code, and you will you will have that exact Chibi sprite. So these only work on the Japanese version. The Western's releases do not have that uh, that chibi, or it doesn't. The chibi passcode does not work with it. All right. <clears throat> yep. Um, also, there is a third game in the series, um, which is actually just called Ikari no Yusai again. So no tree or anything. Uh, but here in in the West. In the West. <laughs> Whatever. Here in the in, West. In, here in the West. In the US and the, in EU, it's uh, actually known as Operation Logic Bomb for the Super Nintendo. Uh, if you want to check that game out and you have a Nintendo Switch Online subscription, hopefully the $20 one and not that expansion pack bullshit yeah. they just released, um, you can check <laughs> it out on the Super Nintendo what is it called? Whatever. Um, it's in there. The Super Nintendo, like, virtual console yeah. thing. It's actually a pretty fun game, and it takes place after Fortified Zone 2, but you don't get to play as Masato and Mizuki. You actually get to play as an anonymous soldier codenamed Hero mm-hmm. uh, in the Japanese version, and his codename is, like, Agent Logan in the Western release of it. Um, but it still very much plays pretty similar to... Uh, to that a fortified zone um yeah. it's a very cool game i would very much recommend yeah it. i checked it out uh, a little earlier today actually uh, i didn't get very far because it's hella hard <laughs> you yeah, only and you, super hard. Yeah, and you you only have three lives but uh, i i'm gonna, definitely gonna play through it because i was enjoying it uh the only thing i didn't really enjoy was the constant cutscenes that you go through yeah uh, but, but a lot of cutscenes yeah besides that it's uh it definitely fits into the series, but it's a little different than these oh, yeah. Game Boy versions, I would say. Oh, uh, but yeah, yeah it's looks, definitely looks a bit fun. different. Yeah, it's a bit different because you have like these, like you have like a special suit to like track you, like your nervous system and like heat sensors and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty more in depth game, obviously for a Super Nintendo game, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely worth a playthrough. Yeah, and it's uh, another one that's like I never heard of like operation logic bomb i've never heard of that game uh but i knew it was a sequel to this like a few months back and then i actually yep. knew it was, uh yeah i don't know if a lot of people know the game but there it is available on on switch so go yep. check it out um some very random <laughs> trivia that i found um so there is an irish thrash metal band called gamma bomb gamma i would say gamma gamma, bomb. G- gamma. um but yeah they have an, an album called survival of the fastest and there is a song on there called fortified zone and is actually based on the first game boy game that's like, cool yeah uh so go check that out it's gamma bomb they're like G-A-M-A bomb. Uh, I just typed it in, in YouTube. Fortified Zone. Um, it's it's pretty good song, actually. Like, I was expecting it to be more trash metal than it actually is. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's a, it's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, it's and it's actually based on the game. So and it came out in two thousand and two. So it's not a, a song that came out when the game was released or anything. Oh wow! Yeah. All right, so now we have reviews for the game. So I actually have some reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to find a little bit of them. Um, the games themselves ranked medium, like middle of the road, um, with the exception of Operation Logic Bomb, which if one to include that with the trilogy, that one actually was a bit higher. Uh, that was the highest scoring of the three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fortify Zone in itself <clears throat> scored about a 3 out of 5 uh, in most of the places that I could find. A lot of this is Japanese um, reviews, so I have no idea what they say. Even the translator did a poor job translating. <laughs> uh, but from what I can see from various like magazines and stuff, Fortify Zone 1 ranked about a, a 2.5 or a 3 out of 5 stars. Uh, while Fortify Zone 2 uh, ranked around a 3 to 3.5 three mm-hmm. star uh, out of 5. Uh, Operation Logic Bomb would be a 4 out of 5. So Yeah, I would definitely rank them higher myself. I, I would too, yeah. yeah. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have a few here. Like on Moby Games, there sometimes are like critic reviews. Uh, these are all older ones from 91 and 92, at least for Fortified Zone, that is. Um, and it goes from like, I would between sixty and eighty out of a hundred. So it kind of depends. And then there's like a more recent one, which is also eleven years ago. Has a three out of ten. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> it's like I know it's a German review, but uh, yeah, it's it was about the three DS version. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I I would rank the games higher, mm, but mm. yeah. Um, but speaking of thoughts and history, we'll start with you, Mo, <laughs> on your your go at, at the series. Yeah. So I don't have an actual history with these games. Like I never knew about them when I was uh, when I was a child or anything. I just came across them playing games for portable pleasure. Uh, it's been a few years though. Uh, I think it's it's like three years ago that I played the first one. Uh, and then picked up the second one not too long after that. Uh, for me, uh, I prefer the first one um, because I feel like it's a little bit more balanced than than the second one, especially when it comes to that final stage where you really, really have to know what you're doing uh, to get through it. And yeah, the biggest problem with the second one comes from the health management, uh, whereas in the first one you kind of can cheese it if you want to call it that by having enough health packs uh, but yeah i don't know um what i like better at for uh, from the second game is like you have the weapons available to you at all times so it makes it a little bit interesting uh, more interesting to do fights uh, but yeah besides that they're virtually the same games and, and they should just be played together really uh because yeah, they're just fun games to play through. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a direct history with the Fortify Zone games. Um, I actually played Operation Logic Bomb as a kid. I remember renting it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, because I liked the cover art. 
<laughs> that was the only reason I ever rented it was because I liked the cover the first time because I liked the cover and then the second time like when you rent a game you only have it for like two days mm-hmm. basically and as like a as like a seven year old this two days is not enough time to beat a game so I rented it again and I, I still didn't beat it as a kid I ended up beating it like twenty years later. Um, but I, I never knew at that time that there were game, I, that Fortify Zone even existed, nor would I have ever have known that Fortify Zone and Operation uh, uh, Logic would have been, you know, a part of one another. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I have pl- I have played Operation uh, Logic before, long time ago. Never knew that there was a, a tie between them. So I actually have no history at all. With Fortified Zone, when I initially started to play them or look at them, I saw the name and I saw like the cover art and I saw like the first thirty seconds of gameplay and immediately translated to Akari Warriors for the NES. <laughs> so I avoided the game at all costs because excuse me, because I have a lot of history with Akari Warriors. <laughs> I pressed A B B A a lot in my life. <laughs> 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 And uh, I didn't want to play a Game Boy version of Akari Warriors. I'm sorry. But um, eventually it got to the point where I was looking for new speedruns back when I was very active in the speedrunning community. Um, I was looking for a new speedrun, and I remember John Carl's and Author Blues uh, playing Fortify Zone co-op at uh, at a GDQ. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, man, this game could be kind of cool. Because uh, the game is co-op. The game has two players. Uh, and you can play as Masato and, Miz- and uh, Mizuki uh, at the same time in co-op, which is actually super hella cool. Um, so I watched them play, and I was like, oh, this game looks pretty interesting. And so I started learning the first Fortified Zone as a speedrun and realize that it's very it's it's not Akari Warriors for the NES at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very interesting game. And then um, so I, I sat down one night uh, for Game Boy Adventure and I played through Fortified Zone and two back to back like Mo did. Um, and I played as Chibi style Miz, uh, Mizuki uh, throughout <laughs> the game too because I wanted to shoot hearts at people. <laughs> Um, I thought the games were very fun. I I've, I loved the soundtrack, especially to the first game. Uh, I did prefer the first one over the second one as well. I just thought the first one felt more polished and more complete because I felt the un I, with aside from the health management in the final game, um, I thought the unlimited bullets kind of took away from the strategizing of the actual game itself. Because in the first game, like you didn't have to super worry about your health, but you always had to worry about your ammo. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your standard gun had unlimited ammo, but your your specialty guns had limited ammo. And if you ha- you could still beat the game and beat bosses with your standard gun, but it took forever. So you always wanted to keep in the back of your mind, like I want to keep this ammo for the boss coming up, or if I ever get into like a sticky situation, I can flip over to this ammo. I want to make sure I have some ammo for the special gun. Meanwhile, for like the second game. You didn't need to really think about that at all. Like, mind you, the second game was balls to the walls harder than the first one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have to, like, really strategize ammo. You just had to more strategize your health. So you could kind of cheese some of the rooms, too, because you could clip some of the enemies up against the wall and just hit them with uh, the explosion of the grenade. 
So it, it kind of took away a little bit for me with that because I'm one of those people that like to like preserve ammo and just like strategize like my next move going forward. I like to be like two steps ahead of the game where I am versus like I have one hit point. I need to walk into this room and like not die. <laughs> so uh, I did prefer the first one over the second one, but with that said, both of them are still very fun games. I personally like the sprite work in the second one a lot more yes. than the first one. Um, but I like the gameplay more of the first one than the second one. Yeah. Yeah, it has a little bit for whatever you are looking for. Just uh, cool that they are two very similar games, but still like have things between and that set them apart for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, going into our itty bitty speed running uh, section here, I guess we can we can call it. Um, there is speed runs for the first uh, the first fortify zone. Yeah. I already lost the tab. There it is. Um, world record holder Atraz with a time of twelve minutes and four seconds. Second place is CFB. With a twelve thirty-two, uh, these are pretty old records. The most recent run is from Smart Alec nine months ago. Uh, Hraz's record is four years ago. Meanwhile, CFB's run was from six years ago. <laughs> so this is a pretty old board with some pretty old runs uh, to it. Something very interesting with this as well too is that the speed running version of or the game that you want to use, the version of the game that you want to use for speed running is the US and EU version of the game because it presents a glitch where you can actually uh, jump and walk through uh, certain walls of the game. So what you typically do in the speedrun is you play as Mizuki because she can jump. So as you transition into a room, none of the obstacles are loaded in yet, uh, which gives you a pretty big opportunity to jump into them so as the screen is starting to transition and load in you use mizuki to jump basically into those obstacles and walk out of them <laughs> so yeah. um as for fortify zone 2 i it looks like mo couldn't either i could not find any speed runs for fortified zone 2 at all nope. so free world record for anyone that wants to uh, go for that. However, there are speed runs for Operation Logic Bomb. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird that the second uh, <laughs> one doesn't have any runs, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That yeah, is a bit, it is a bit weird, but um, yeah. So that's the little short speed run section that we have. And since I have a little bit of experience in the run, I gave you what I know about it. The gist of it mm -hmm. is Mizuki reigns supreme in the first run. So. Never let her die, and you'll do fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So with that, we're going to take a, another quick short break. And when we come back, we will talk about some community events coming up, any listener questions that may have for the podcast and for this episode, and, of course, our very, very scripted outro. So stay tuned. <laughs>
so community events coming up here. This one's actually going to be really easy for me because I just did this yesterday. <laughs> 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 so community events coming up. We have, well, we have the Tiny 10, which would have already happened yep. by the time this episode comes out. So congratulations, whoever won the Tiny 10. Um, hope you enjoyed Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, a marathon that is already going to be out by time or done by time this is coming out is that our friends over at Retro Gaming Live TV uh, has put on a marathon to feed the children. And uh, I submitted five games. I don't know. I, I'm still waiting for a schedule to come out. So uh, I submitted Sailor Moon, <laughs> Barbie Game Girl, Squidlet, Kirby Streamlight Extra Mode, and Trip World. So all of Mo's favorite games. Uh, I, I really hope Sailor Moon and Barbie get in. So. Probably. Knowing RGL, those are the ones that are getting in. <laughs> Sharif and I are just going to have a Sailor Moon Barbie segment. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we do have some other things coming up here. So my friends at Power Up With Pride will be putting on a marathon... I literally just did this yesterday, and I forgot when they're doing it. Um, you would think, you would think I would remember stuff. Uh, December 3rd. I don't even know when this episode is slated to come out anymore. Um, uh, around that time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, the, uh, let me see. Uh, the 4th. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, or the 5th. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so during so as this episode is released, uh, Power Up with Pride will be firing up their Winter Pride Marathon, uh, starting on December third and ending at the end of the day of December fifth. Looks like around nine o'clock p.m. Central Time. A uh, few Game Boy games to look out for. Uh, speaking of Sharif, he will be doing uh, Barbie Fashion Pack games <laughs> uh, for the Game Boy Color. <laughs> um, uh, Tetris Blast will be in the marathon on Sunday, December 5th, along with um, a locked game of Kirby Streamland. And if you're into the GBA stuff, Metroid Freeze Flame, Zero Mission, Fusion, and Amazing Mirror will also be presented on Sunday as well. Uh, with that, we also have Games Done Quick, AGDQ 2022 coming up. I already vented about this in my light, <laughs> but uh, they will be going on January 9th through January 16th with only one Game Boy game, <laughs> and it's Ultraman Ball. Yeah, which is a great game, but... It's a good game, ran by a phenomenal person. I love Gygus Blues. Yep. He's my roommate for SGDQ. Gygus Blues is... An amazing human. Go follow him. Go watch his stuff. But it's not that GDQ has a lack of Game Boy submissions. I look at the submission list every time it's open. And there are tons of Game Boy games that get submitted. Unless you have your normal Pokemon, your Kirbys, your Marios. But there are tons of other Game Boy games that get submitted. And they only choose one. Mm -hmm. And it's... Mm -hmm. At least this time around, it's Ultraman Ball and not Dragon Slayer, but... <laughs> yep. 
It's come all, on, GDQ. Yeah, it's always a disappointment. Just come on, GDQ. Just can we can we just can we just have a Game Boy block? We have we've had one Game Boy block back in 2016. Yeah. Can we have another one? It's been a while. Like, <laughs> please, <laughs> pretty please. Um, what else we got going on here? We have uh, Midwest Speed Fest, which is going to be uh, quickly approaching as well too. They actually just released their schedule yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I believe it was. So. Um, Midwest Speed Fest is a in-person event where where I live. Basically, it is literally like fifteen minutes away from me. Um, they're doing a Midwest Mini Fest um, sometime soon, and they'll be doing a, a here it is Midwest Mini Fest December eleventh, uh, which is a forty-hour speedrun event in support of children's cancer. So uh, they'll be doing some some good charity work there as well. Uh, that's all I got for marathons. Yeah, much to look forward to. And some that have already passed. <laughs> <laughs> some that have already gone. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at listener questions, none really. Uh, but Lex has some some things just to say, I guess. So we can mention those. Uh, she only just noticed that the logo has the barbed wire thing. <laughs> yeah, yep, if, yep. if you don't look at it closely, you can definitely not see it. But... Uh, yeah, uh, and she she likes the speed run a lot. Yeah, the speed run is actually pretty damn cool. Yeah, I know we had it in Tiny Ten sometime, and people really liked playing yep. that game. Uh, and yeah, and she likes the two protagonist thing. Yeah, you don't see that very often in Game Boy games. That's uh, true. Another one. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. Maybe we should in the future. But Tech You Fight is another one where you can. Uh, switch between characters that's a pretty good, a good game, game as well yeah but yeah that's that's pretty much it for uh for listener things but yeah because i mostly think that people don't know these games anyways that's probably why the f- the funny part of us choosing fortify zone 2 was that we timed it eerily well with hero and legs because like legs was just getting started playing fortify zone 1 as we announced this episode mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i believe hero was going into either one or two, two as well two yeah yeah <laughs> we just finished it so like we eerily like like we we because like it was my decision to do fortify zone yeah. this time around and i was like we should do fortify zone because and i'm like we should do them both at the same time because like the second one is literally the same as the first game so it doesn't make sense to have two different episodes about it um and then when we announced they're like, oh, I'm playing Fortify Zone. Well, I'm playing Fortify Zone too. I was like, oh well. <laughs> yeah, good timing. There'll be a, there'll be some episodes about it. <laughs> so um yeah, so that was kinda kinda fun. But uh, then we have the our awesome scripted outro yes. is next. Uh this is the most scripted outro that you will ever encounter in your life. <clears throat> And by scripted, I mean there are no notes for this at all, except for the wireframe that we built three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, thoughts and suggestions by you all about the podcast are always greatly welcome. 
always looking for feedback, <clears throat> always looking forward to making the podcast a better listen for you all. Uh, I would say probably within the last year, our podcasts have definitely gotten more giggly and a lot more friendly in terms of atmosphere and pretty and, and a lot less narrated and strict, which in my opinion, I think is a better listen overall and mm-hmm. we still get the information out there. So um, you can find me, eBloody Candy, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find our awesome, wonderful producer, Sprinty Legs, on Sprinty Legs on Twitch and Twitter, Legs on YouTube, and make sure to go check out Horror Project website, SprintyLegs.com. Mo, where can they find you? You can find me on uh, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, probably in that descending order when it comes to content. Um all slash Moolah, which is M-O-E-L-L-E-U-H. Um, if you do not want to type in all of these things and just want to click on something, of course, we just have our website. This is Gameboy.com, where you can just uh, find all our socials uh, very easily by uh, clicking on the little icons we added. True. Um, speaking of our website, you can also find all of this next information on the website as well uh we do have a patreon where after 20 dollars a month i believe it is uh, mo and i will actually start doing these episodes live on stream so you guys get to witness our fantastic breaks of me waiting for mo to let his to, to let his cat out get water whatever it may be um and i get to sit here and i hum and whistle and i talk to legs <laughs> so that's where some of the outro stuff comes from. Uh, let's see here. Patrons also have or page patrons patron patrons. I think yep. is that what they're patrons. Patrons, yeah. Have, Jesus have access, exclusive premiere access to our Haunt Hunter uh, uh, project as well too. So. Mo and I have put on a new series called Haunt Hunters, where we play through. Uh, uh, horror-inspired video games uh, with the semi-recent release of Silent Hill Origins on Halloween. Our patrons now have access to my playthrough of Yamawari Night Alone on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, patrons are also linked into our Discord, uh, so you will have access to various things at our Discord, including bloopers and some behind-the-scenes things, and also the podcast notes. Uh, if Patreon is not your thing, and you still want to support this, the podcast monetarily, we understand Patreon, subscription-based, everything in the world is subscription-based nowadays, right? Like, you have Netflix, Twitch, uh, I mean, Twitter even has a subscription thing now, I think. So, um, everything is subscription based. If subscription stuff isn't your thing, uh, we do have a PayPal. Uh, however, we can't tie PayPal into Discord just because that's just how life is. So, if you did donate to us or have donated to us with PayPal, please let one of the three of us know. We want to thank you um, in some way for monetarily supporting our podcast. Um, to keep selling out, we also have a merch store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, uh, we've semi-recently have opened a merch store back in, I believe, May or June of this year. 
where you can go and buy a very nice quality t-shirt um, of your choosing. Their shirts are nice, and they're not just some weird off-name brand or off-brand name uh, that you would just find on the side of the road. They're actually <clears throat> name-brand shirts. Uh, the two shirts that I have of our podcast are made by Hanes. I know there's Gildan, so you don't have to worry about that type of thing. I've washed my shirts probably three or four times by now because I have so many shirts that it's hard to go through the cycle of wearing them all. (laughs) But they haven't shrunk yet, and the print is still fully intact and vibrant as the day that I got it in the mail. And also, we have coffee cups. An odd, funny story here. Mo didn't want to have coffee cups on the store (laughs) and i wanted him to put coffee cups on the store because i wanted a coffee cup so he put a coffee cup up on the store and i got one come to find out we sold more coffee cups when other people won them and then the other day at work one of my one of my co-workers that actually listens to the podcast found out that we had a merch store and they bought a coffee cup (laughs) so it was a pretty good idea to put a coffee cup up on the merch store. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It comes from my not coffee-minded uh, lifestyle because I just don't drink coffee. So, yeah. I, I will never think of a mug. So, yeah. I don't... I mean, I don't use my mug. It sits on a shelf next to all of my Game Boy stuff. Right. But I have one. <laughs> so, yeah. And other people have one. True, um, true. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing special about the guys. It's a coffee mug. Yeah. So. <laughs> just, just. <do. laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this shirt is also <laughs> is actually available in three colors. Uh, so there's the green one, there's the dark gray one, and there's the the light gray one. So uh, there's yep. a little bit of choice there for sure. Um, and um, if you're wondering, like. Uh, what's the deal with with the US and the EU? Um, Can I order it uh, without having to go through customs and things like that? Yes, you can, because they actually just ship from either Europe or America, so you don't have to worry about things like that. It's just the price you pay with the shipping, of course, included. That's that's all you're going to have to pay, for sure. Yep. Yeah, it comes from your nearest warehouse, and luckily for us... Uh, they have a warehouse. They have a printing station in both Europe and America. So. Yeah, and they're also very good with uh, with their customer service. Apparently, uh, n- not speaking of these shirts in particular, but Hero bought one of my designs, um, and the first time he got it, it there was this weird pattern on it that shouldn't have been there. So he ordered another one and got the same error basically it was and then he just contacted them and they send him a free shirt which didn't have it so if there's ever any issue um you can let us know of course but you can definitely also just uh contact spring teespring uh themselves and they will probably uh help you out there so hook hook you up yeah yeah if monetary support isn't your thing 100% 100% agree. Money is weird right now. Economy is weird. Pandemic is weird. The world is weird. 100% get it. You listening to the podcast is high support enough. 
with you listening to the podcast. That's more listens onto the episodes, onto the podcast as a whole, which actually helps us rank up into the podcast list. And any places that you can leave reviews, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, places like that. Uh, and whenever you click the five-star review, because these are always five-star episodes, uh, it also helps us uh, get more get more spotlight onto the podcast as well, too. So just simply listening to the podcast um, is amazing support in itself. And uh, hanging out in Discord and being in our Discord, just talking to us, coming to our streams and just chilling. Uh, we love talking to you all. We love hanging out with you all. We like talking Game Boy or whatever else that you all want to talk about. It's always fun to to hear what you all are doing kind of in your spare times while listening to the podcast itself. So uh, thank you all that do hang out with us and chat with us and listen to our podcast. Yeah, speaking of, uh, at least the moment of this recording, so it will be a little higher before this episode comes out. But uh, a few days ago, we just reached 15,000 listens on what we know (laughs) from SoundCloud alone. So uh, that's really, really good. Thank you all for that. For a very niche podcast about the Game Boy, that's huge. So thank you. All right. Well, enough with the uh, st- uh, the the <coughs> emotional stuff. Uh, <laughs> next next time you hear from, I don't know when the next time you, you might you, you, it might be legs and Petra. Next time you hear, it might be. Yeah, we we're not sure. <laughs> we're, we, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna voice change possibly to legs and Petra. Yeah, could could be could be uh, could be. So yeah, we don't know what game that will be. Uh, can cannot. It'll say. be a surprise. Yeah. Um, It'll be a New Year's surprise. Yeah. Uh, but the next time you will hear from us, at least uh, together, um, I mentioned this one to you before, not on the podcast, I think, but just <sighs> just randomly because you love Metroid so freaking much. Uh, we're gonna do an episode on Metroid Two: Return of Samus. <sighs> <laughs> It's gonna be glorious. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait to shoot walls that don't blow up. <laughs> well, at least you're fighting Metroids this time and not stupid T viruses. Sorry for the spoiler. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, no, it's not even a spoiler. But but yeah, uh, Metroid Two. It, it would have been for me. I never played the other Metroids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I'll, I guess we'll be playing Metroid Two. Great! Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, can't can't wait to play another Metroid game. <laughs> uh, I've ne- I've never played Metroid Two, so this will be uh, an experience in our, in itself for sure. Who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll love it. Maybe it'll be my favorite Metroid of all time. Could be, or I may just hate it and just want to burn every copy of it. We'll see. <laughs> um, Leaning towards the second option right now. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess the next time you hear from both of us together, we'll be talking about Metroids. So, yeah, thank you all for listening to the episode. And, uh, I mean, this episode coming out December. You won't hear from me again until January. So, have a fantastic, safe holiday season and see you all in 2022. Yeah. Same goes for me because I, well, I will still be back with a 
light. Well, you have a light. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's still in this year. But yeah, when we both get back, it will already be already. Bleh, I can talk already. Be twenty twenty two. So uh, yeah, enjoy your holidays. Have a great Christmas. Hanukkah, Hanukkah, oh man, I can't talk. Hanukkah, 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 wow. Uh, Kwanzaa, or whatever else you might say. Maybe you celebrate nothing, that's fine as well. Just just go get drunk and and eat something good. And uh, have a happy new year, unless you're Japanese and then it's still not new. See, it's just... Enjoy the <laughs> the upcoming weeks of the the year, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in AutoZone.